0: and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 257, a textbook, New Hampshire Turkey Hunt. And I am your host and the guy who is Pretty proud to say that I did nothing, absolutely nothing worthwhile this past weekend other than go to church. And as I'm telling you that, I can't help but chuckle a little bit inside because it reminds me of a time a couple of years ago when I bumped into my next door neighbor outside. We were both out in our yards and I stopped to chat with him for a minute and he said, well, did you hear that I retired? And I said, no, I didn't hear that. And he said, yeah, I retired about a month ago. I said, well, that's awesome, Tommy. So that's pretty exciting news. So what are you gonna do? Because Tommy's still fairly young and is pretty healthy. And I figured, you know, he's retired and he's gonna find a little part-time job or something to keep himself busy. Like so many people do today. Like I probably will when I get to be old enough and financially comfortable enough to where I can retire. So Tommy looks at me after I ask him if he's gonna do anything now that he's retired, and he says, no, I'm not doing nothing. So that's what I did this weekend, nothing. And it was pretty darn nice. This coming weekend, however, will not be a do-nothing weekend. I already have a couple of projects that I've got to work on, and there is a decent chance, like about a 40 or 50% chance, that we're going to get some rain Sunday and Monday. And I'm willing to take a chance we're going to get that rain and get some seed in the ground. I just don't know if I'm gonna be able to break up two of my fields in order to get seed in the ground if we don't get some water on them first. But one of the fields I've already got broken up and it's ready for seed. I'm gonna go spread some seed on it Saturday. I'm going to hand water the seed in to that food plot. That's my food plot there on the edge of the lake. And I plan on pumping a little bit of water out of that lake, wetting the ground pretty well to get that seed where it'll make some good contact with the soil and pray we get some more rain. So I told you guys last week that I was making a last ditch effort to salvage the audio from my final hunt in New Hampshire. And I did that and I sent out the audio to several different people who have much more experience editing and cleaning up audio than I do and every single one of them replied back basically saying this audio is not salvageable. So I'm going to play just a few seconds of it just so you can see what I've been trying to salvage and I'm not going to waste any more time than that on it. I've spent a lot of time trying to get it cleaned up but it's just not going to work out. So today I'm going to walk you through the story of a textbook New Hampshire turkey hunt. But first, I have to tell you that we are 170 days, 10 hours, 50 minutes, and 19 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So right now, though, I'm going to just play a little bit of this audio clip for you so that you can hear a little sample of what I've been trying to work with with this hunt in New Hampshire. So as you can tell, that's pretty rough audio there. But having said that, I do have a few clips of the audio from the hunt for you guys, but it's the parts of the audio where I'm not whispering. And I told you this a couple of weeks ago that I recorded that hunt with my phone. And I think I really kind of figured out what happened. Because after listening to the full audio clip a couple of times, the first oh seven eight minutes of the recording The birds are louder my whispering is louder there's a crow that just about blows your ears out in those first few minutes and what I think happened is in some of my shifting around I think either the microphone itself got covered up or what I think is more likely to have happened the microphone input may have pulled out of the audio jack of my telephone that's what i think happened but i can't tell for sure but what you've just heard is part of what's really the meat of the hunt and that is when i've got a bunch of turkeys in front of me but it's a shame i say it's a shame it's a shame because you can't hear me narrate this hunt and so now that we are oh four months after the fact of the hunt there are a lot of little details that I would have narrated in this hunt, because from what I can tell, there is a fair amount of whispering going on during this hunt. But there are a lot of little details that I'm sure I narrated and whispered in this hunt that I'm not going to be able to share with you because I'm not going to remember every single minor little detail of the hunt. But I want to go ahead and get into it because it really is the textbook turkey hunt. When you're lying in bed two weeks before season starts and you are dreaming and thinking and hoping and wishing turkey season was in and you imagine a hunt taking place, it was this hunt. And in a few minutes when I finish the story, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So as I told you guys before, this was the same piece of property that Chip killed his turkey on. And the same place that I played a pretty long game of cat and mouse with a turkey on before the day this hunt took place. This piece of property has a triangular shaped ag field on it and a block of woods off of the southernmost corner of this ag field. I'm not really sure how big this block of woods is, but it is a block of big woods. I'm talking trees that two or three of us would not be able to put our arms around big big beautiful woods off of the eastern side of this ag field is a hill that has three terraces on it and it goes up and there's a plateau up at the top of the hill and another big field up there and now the hunt where I played the audio for you guys a couple of weeks ago where we tinkered with this turkey for quite a while, and then my recorder ran out of space. That hunt actually took place on the second terrace going up this hill. So I knew that that is where I wanted to be at daybreak. I didn't want to top the toe of that ridge along that second terrace, get to where those turkeys were roosted or where I thought they were roosted because I didn't know for sure that they would be roosted in the same spot that they were before. So I'm on the opposite side of the toe of that ridge from where the turkeys roosted before, hoping that they're there the morning that I'm coming into the woods to try this tom again. So this particular morning, I'm solo on this hunt. New Hampshire was not part of the deal. We were going on this hunt to hunt New York and Vermont. And those are the two states that we paid an outfitter to hunt in. So New Hampshire was an add-on for us because Chip and I had the time. And so we didn't have an outfitter on that hunt. Chip, that particular morning, had gone to hunt with John to try to help him get a bird in Vermont. The guy that was with us the morning that Chip killed his turkey to kind of show us the property was not with me either. He had gone to visit his son the afternoon before. So I'm in the woods before daylight by myself. I get onto this second terrace really right before gobbling time. And I didn't pick a spot to sit down because I wanted to let it get a little bit more light and make sure that I was sitting in an area where I had a good field of view around me. I didn't want to end up sitting in some sort of a little depression that would keep me from being able to see around the toe of that ridge as much as I needed to, or up the hill as much as I needed to, or down the hill. You get the idea. I wanted to have a good vantage point so I didn't sit down until I could see pretty well. I found my spot to sit and it was just where that second terrace started to rise up towards the third terrace. and I found a blowdown. I found a tree that had fallen. And I felt like that was going to give me a better amount of concealment between me and where the turkeys should be approaching from. And it would give me a pretty good prop for my gun as well. So I see this blowdown and I just back up against the blowdown and I wait for the tom to gobble from the ground. And I've talked about this a bunch, and I know a lot of you guys in different parts of the country, you tree call to turkeys. And if it works for you, I'm saying that's fantastic for you, but it does not work for me in Alabama because... What happens when I call to a gobbler on the tree in Alabama is that gobbler stays up in that tree for hours. I mean seriously hours because he's waiting on that hen to walk underneath his tree or at least within a distance to where he can see her before he's going to fly down. And yes I know from my experience and my travels around the country that not every tom is that way. Not every tom does that but I hunt as if they all do it. And really it kind of goes back to that whole it's more difficult to undercall to a turkey than it is to overcall to a turkey. Mindset. So, getting back to the story, I'm sitting there with my back against this blowdown, waiting on the tom to sound off from the ground before I'm going to make a call. And then finally he gobbles and it sounds like he's on the ground. So I pull out one of my Pot and Peg calls and So as you can tell, I'm not getting wild and crazy with my calling. At this point, it's early in the day, and I'm pretty sure this Tom has hens with him. He did the day before. Of course, they could have left him during the day. He could be by himself in that little block of woods, but with as many hens as he had around him, I don't think that's the case. If he's still in that block of woods, I believe the hens are still in that block of woods with him. And getting loud and aggressive and challenging those hens at this point in the morning does not seem to be the right approach to me. I'm just letting them know that I'm in an area that they were in yesterday that they very likely spend a bunch of time in. And I'm hanging out, soft calling, nothing real aggressive, nothing real challenging and I'll just kind of see where things go from there. I know I told you guys that the audio that I recorded was unusable but here's a little piece that I did salvage by amplifying the sound. So I'm picking right back up from where you heard the audio of me calling. Listen in. Now this tom has gobbled a few times before, but there is no gobble in the audio until that one. So what I'm telling you in a roundabout way is this tom has closed the distance and is pretty close. And it became apparent at that point in time that if I was going to put myself in a position to get a shot at this turkey, I needed to twist my body a little bit on this tree so that I would have a better range of motion For my gun and be pointed better in the right direction that that turkey's approaching from. So it's time to shift and quickly. It's at about this point in the hunt, after I get shifted around, that I think, and it's pure speculation on my part, but I think that the microphone got disconnected from my telephone. Maybe not completely disconnected, but the connection was not great because the whispering is basically inaudible from this point forward. And I don't think that I was whispering so low that I couldn't hear it because the microphone picks up whispering pretty well as you guys have heard from some of the previous audio recordings that I've done of my hunts. So after this gobble that was pretty close to me I got shifted around the blowdown that I was on putting my left shoulder my non-shooting shoulder more in the direction that the turkey was approaching from and I waited and about five minutes and 35 seconds later I heard some scratching in the leaves and it was Just a few seconds later, that I saw a turkey come over the top of the toe of the ridge. And it was a hen. And she was not alone because not far behind her was another hen. Not far behind her was another one. And another one. And another one. And another one. And then finally, I didn't know it, but here comes the last hen. And here comes a turkey behind the last hen. A turkey with a beard. Just the kind of turkey that I was looking for. And the hens are just scratching and feeding. And the Tom, well, he's not really showing off a whole lot. And he's feeding around a little bit as well. Now, at this point, the hen that's closest to me is probably 40 yards away. The Tom is probably 50, maybe 55 yards away. He's a dead turkey with a 3 inch 12 gauge TSS shell. He's dead. But I haven't made a move in his direction yet. I'm watching him, and I'm watching the hens. And the hens are in full-on feeding mode. It's all they're thinking about right now. And they get into this area on the side of this hill going up to the third terrace, and they start to spread out. They came over the toe of that ridge pretty much in a straight line. Now that they're in this area, that straight line is no more and it's just a bunch of turkeys getting more and more spread out and the tom is still kind of up towards the top of the toe of that ridge at a little bit higher elevation than them and he's feeding a little bit and watching them but not really displaying and he's not gobbling a whole lot. Now remember I told you guys how big and open these woods are and I know that my opportunity to move my gun and get on this tom to get a shot is very limited with the number of eyeballs in these very open woods so these turkeys are feeding generally in my direction and i'm very well hidden from them so i'm watching kind of waiting on what i feel like is my best opportunity to make a move without getting busted and it's a situation that I'm sure all of you guys are very familiar with from your past experiences of turkey hunting. So this tom starts to move a little bit more in my direction, coming down from that little bit of an increase in elevation, that little bit higher spot that he was at up on top of the ridge, and he's feeding down towards the flat where that second terrace is, which is pretty much what I thought his strut zone would be. So he's slowly feeding in that direction. He's moving from my nine o'clock position towards my 12 o'clock. And as he starts down the hill towards me, he steps behind one of those humongous trees. And I didn't feel like it was my chance to move on him just yet because there were still several hens that were up above him at this point that i felt like had i gone ahead and moved at that time i may have spooked them so i waited still longer even more a few minutes after he stepped behind that tree yes he was behind that tree for a while i'm assuming he was feeding now that i'm talking about it he may have been breeding a hen because i saw a turkey walk out the left hand side of that tree that he stepped behind and I thought that that was him and I'm watching because that turkey is walking more than feeding and that turkey is getting closer and closer to me but is getting in a worse position for me to shoot that turkey is moving from my nine o'clock towards my six o'clock and I'm thinking that's the tom remember it's still kind of gray still a little dark in these woods and i'm thinking that's the tom and i'm about to be in a spot where i'm not going to be able to have a shot at him so as i'm watching that bird out of the corner of my eye get closer but really out of a position for me to get a shot i see movement out of the other corner of my eye and it's movement from the tree that the tom had stepped behind and been behind for several minutes moving from my nine o'clock towards my 12 o'clock. And when I see that movement, and I cut my eye over in that direction, I see a beard on a turkey. That's when I realized the turkey that came out from behind that tree first was a hen, and she went to the left-hand side of the tree. The tom came out from behind that tree on the right-hand side, and he is now moving pretty steadily towards the terrace that's down in front of me. He took about 10 more steps, still angling towards me, stepped behind another enormous tree, and that's when I made my move on him. So as you could hear, after the shot, I was not in a huge hurry to jump up and run over to the turkey that I just shot. He was down, and I knew I got a good shot on him. I wasn't worried about him getting up and going anywhere, but I stand a better chance of shooting him again from where I'm sitting than I do while I'm running up there to him like I used to do in my early days of turkey hunting when I would shoot a turkey and go running up there to it. But the number one reason why I just kind of sat still for several seconds after I shot was the hens were still hanging around and you could hear them putting. They were slowly getting out of dodge. I mean, they weren't busting their rear ends to get out by any means, but I wanted them to get away a little bit. You know, this was their stomping grounds and I didn't want to do anything other than have that shot go off to disrupt Their pattern and disrupt an area that they are comfortable being in. But just like any hunter, curiosity got the best of me and I had to get up and go check out the bird. So you can hear a lot of shuffling going on. And again, that just kind of proves my theory correct in my head, anyway. That when I shifted my body on that blowdown to get in a better position to get a shot on that turkey is when I kind of moved the microphone. Input where it went into my phone and dislodged it a little bit. And I think that the recording from that point going forward was recording using the microphone inside my telephone instead of my external microphone that I use to record all the audio from my hunts. So you're gonna hear a lot of shuffling here for a minute. I've tried to tone that down a little bit and to amplify my speaking so you can hear a little bit of my reaction after the shot and as I walked up to the turkey. 5:54. i got going to be in our airplane at 12.30 and I had a two hour drive to get there. So as you can tell the audio is a little bit muffled and unclear sometimes but I sat there with that turkey for I don't know maybe 10 or 15 minutes and just was reflecting on that hunt that entire trip and you know I just can't say enough good things about it. We had a great time. All of you Yankees up there are extremely friendly The hunting is great. The countryside is just beautiful. And you know it ranks right up there for me with one of the best trips that we've been on. I had plans on going back up there this fall with my lovely bride. In fact, I'd planned on being there right now. But we changed those plans really kind of last minute because we are getting ready to do some work to our house. And the main level of the house is about to undergo a pretty extensive renovation so that kind of squashed our plans to travel back up to the northeast because that's money we can use to spend fixing up the house and doing some things around it that we want to do but I do have intentions on getting back up there again well obviously this coming spring but I want to take my wife up there and vacation a little bit relax and just kind of show her around the countryside up there as well. So after spending some time reflecting on the hunt and just how great of a time I had, I grabbed the turkey, came down off of the hill, into the ag field, took the turkey over to the edge of the river, set up my camera, and took some pictures. And that was pretty cool to me to be able to do that. And I think the pictures turned out okay, even though I didn't have the best setup trying to do everything by myself because I did not have a tripod with me for my phone. Yes, I said camera a minute ago, but what I meant to say was phone. And as I'm taking pictures with the turkey on the side of the river, the farmer who was disking up the ag field that this hunt took place off of fires up his tractor and starts making his rounds. Well, I kind of thought that when he got to that part of the field that I was in that, you know, he was going to stop and get out and say something to me, even though the property was not posted kind of felt like, hey, he may run me off or whatever. And I knew that I was under a little bit of a time crunch in that I needed to get pictures taken, get that turkey over to a place where I could get it tagged, get back to where we were staying, pack up all of my stuff, throw it in the vehicle along with Chip and John, and their stuff, and make the two hour drive to the airport. So I knew I was going to be pressed for time. So I wasn't really paying a whole lot of attention to the guy on the tractor. I just really thought that he was going to get out and have something to say to me. So while I was finishing up my pictures, he made his rounds, went on around me, and he kept going. So I grabbed the turkey, throw it over my shoulder. I'm carrying it out of the field, walking back towards the truck and I look way down on the other end of this big ag field, and the farmer is at his truck, and I see him walking around the truck, and he walks over the tractor, and he walks over the truck, and he's looking down at me, and I'm thinking, okay, well now he's waiting on me to walk all the way up there, and he's gonna have something to say to me. I get about 200 yards from the tractor, and he walks over to the tractor, and he gets in, closes the door on the cab, and starts driving my direction. Now remember, I haven't done anything wrong. But with my Alabama hunting upbringing and not being able to legally hunt any land that you do not have written permission to hunt on that land, it was just uncomfortable for me being on this piece of property without written permission from a landowner, which is not required in New Hampshire. And so anyway, this farmer's coming towards me in the tractor, disking, and I thought, okay, when he gets up to me, he's gonna say something. But when he got to me, I looked over at him and he had a huge smile on his face and a big thumbs up for me. And I waved at him and smiled back. And then I thought, hey, I need to flag him down and ask if he wants this turkey. So I did that. I flagged him down, he stops the tractor, opens up the door of the cab. I walked over to the cab and he said, is he a good bird? And I said, yeah, he's a pretty good bird. And he said, well, good deal. Congratulations. I said, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I said, do you want him? He said, what? I said, I've got to take him to the check station and get him tagged. But do you want me to bring him back here and put him in the back of your truck? And he said, no, no, no. Thank you. I appreciate it. So I said, well, if you're sure about it, I'm getting out of here and going to the check station. And he said, yeah, I'm positive. So That's exactly what I did. I walked over to the truck that I was driving, threw the turkey in the back of the truck, drove about 25 minutes to the check station, and I've got to tell you this. This was really, really hard for me. (laughs) I drove past a field that must have had 25 or 30 turkeys in it, and of those 25 or 30 turkeys, there were seven or eight strutters out in that field, and I thought... Man, if my flight was not leaving until 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'd get up here and buy another tag after I checked this turkey in and see if I couldn't get in there and kill one of those birds. It was just set up perfectly. There was a drainage ditch that went through the majority of that field, and the turkeys were about 30 yards off of that drainage ditch, and I could just see me getting in that drainage ditch, getting soaking wet and slipping up to the edge within shotgun range of those strutters to see what I could do with them. But I didn't have time, so I kept on driving over the check station, got there, got everything checked in, got the bird tagged, weighed, everything that needed to be done there and headed back towards where we were staying to see if John got it done in Vermont and to get everything packed up to head back home. So once I got there, I found out John did not get it done in Vermont and it looks like this coming spring, we're going back to Vermont We're going to hunt Massachusetts and we're going to hunt Connecticut and I'm hoping to get over to Rhode Island and maybe for a day or two and see if I can fill a tag there. I think John's planning on staying a little later than Chip and I are because he's also going to try to get New Hampshire and Maine while he's there which should bring us all three to the same number of birds in the Northeast so that we'll have all the same states marked off. And that is it. That is the final hunt of my 2019 turkey season. And all I can say in summary is that it was a good year. It had its frustrations in Alabama with some gobbling on the roost and not much gobbling on the ground. But my out-of-state trips were a lot of fun. And I'm so thankful for all the help that I had in Mississippi and Arkansas, West Virginia. And I'm very thankful to be able to get a couple of those states marked off the list as well. So here I am sitting at 34 states. I have 15 states left to complete my Super Slam. And I'm looking at this thinking, theoretically, I can have this done in three years. Really, I could have it done in two years if I just pushed it. But given the fact that I've got some people coming to hunt with me this coming spring and the fact that I don't want to get too terribly far ahead of the guys that are trying to complete the slam with me, I don't think that I'm going to push it and try to get it done in, in two or three years. I really think that you know maybe in five years I'll be looking at this super slam in the rearview mirror. Or I should say maybe I'll be looking at my part of this super slam in the rear view mirror, because I'm not going to be done with my Super Slam until all four of us are done with our Super Slams. We started this as a group and we're going to finish it as a group, and I'm looking forward to every single minute of it. Chip and Brian still have some chillins that are not of driving age yet, that are very involved in sports, and springtime and sports and school does not equal a good time for brian and chip to be traveling a lot out of state to hunt turkeys but i do think that changes in the next two or three years and it'll get a little bit easier for them as well hey i've thoroughly enjoyed reliving these hunts with you guys and i hope that you guys have enjoyed listening in and being a part of these hunts with me you know the bottom line for me is getting it done And I don't really care how I get it done as long as it's getting done legally, of course. You know, it doesn't matter to me if I am hunting public land, if I'm hunting private land, or if I'm hunting private land with a guide, if I've got somebody calling for me, if I don't have anybody calling for me, if I've got three people with me, if I'm by myself, it just doesn't matter. You know, I enjoy being out in the woods. I enjoy chasing turkeys. I am going to complete a super slam, God willing, if he gives me enough time on this earth to get it done. And I'm not doing it for anyone except me. I enjoy traveling. I enjoy turkey hunting. Those are two of the most enjoyable things in the world for me. And I just got to tell you, man, I'm having a ball trying to get this done. And, you know, at times these trips can be a little bit stressful. But I think for me at this stage of the process that it's not as stressful as it used to be. You know, maybe I've just gotten to that point where I know that if I don't kill an estate, that just means I've got to go back. You know, and there are worse things than having to go back to visit the same state again for a turkey hunt because you didn't kill the first time you went just like arkansas for me this year i had a blast the weather sucked i wish the weather had been a lot better but i had a blast walking around those hills and hollows in arkansas and trying to find turkeys camping out hanging out with cameron hunting with cameron you know it is just so much fun to me now don't get me wrong I still want to kill when I get to these states and I get in the woods. Heck, I want to kill when I go out in the woods in Alabama. I'd like to kill every time I go out. Actually, I really wouldn't in Alabama, and I'm glad I don't. But in my mind, I think that I would like to kill every time I go out. But I do go out with that mindset that I'm going to kill every time I go out. Because if you can't have a positive attitude before you leave the house, you may as well stay in the house and not go. And I'm not going to do that. We only have so much time in the spring and in the fall that we can hunt turkeys. And I'm getting out there in the spring, and I hope to get out there this fall to do some of it as well. So I said all that just to say this. Again, I hope you guys have enjoyed tagging along in these hunts and being a part of these hunts with me. Let me know your thoughts about it. You know, a couple of years ago when I first started bringing you guys along in these hunts, I heard a lot of you saying, hey, I really enjoy that. That's a lot of fun. Is it still fun for you guys? Are you still enjoying the hunts? Because if so, I'll keep bringing them to you. If not, I'll find something else to bring to you. So let me hear from you. Andy at IamTurkeyHunting.com And now I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. And the favor of the week this week is to like and share this week's episode on social media. Go to the I am turkey Hunting. Facebook fan page and like the post for this week's show. That helps to get the word out about the show. And also go to my Twitter feed and my Twitter handle is at Turkey Hitman. If you'll go to my Twitter feed and find the tweet that has the link for this week's show in it, and like that and retweet it, that would be a big help for me this week. And I would appreciate that very much. This is the part of the show where I say Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices, and I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com